Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be interviewing a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week, I interviewed personal trainer Eden Robinson. In this episode, guest Eden Robinson wanted to share her experiences with an eating disorder and how that changed her view of her body. This is a warning if that might be triggering to you. Please feel free to enjoy other episodes of the Queer Fitness Podcast, or as we get to that question, there'll be another warning from me and a timestamp to skip to so you can enjoy trivia at the end of the episode. The Queer Fitness Podcast is co-produced by Eden Robinson. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. When you support this podcast on Patreon, you are helping make this labor of love into a long-lasting one. And the first goal covers monthly audio hosting and transcription costs. As a patron, you get access to perks like bonus content from every episode and bloopers. Support the show at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. Could you introduce yourself, uh, your name, your queer identity, and any other uh, identifying words about yourself, maybe hobbies or what you're up to? Yeah, uh, my name is Eden Robinson. Uh, I'm a body positive personal trainer. Um, I'm also a lesbian. I am a fangirl, a feminist, uh, a nerd. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much me. Cool. Could you talk a little bit about like what you're doing as a personal trainer now? You said you you were doing some work today. Um, what is your schedule like? Um, or, yeah, yeah, just so tell me my, more. <laughs> well, my my schedule is pretty much the opposite of a nine to five um, because that's when people are available to train. Um, so normally it's like weekday mornings and evenings. Um, I try to keep my weekends clear, um, but, you know, sometimes it happens uh, that I'll have to, you know, train on the weekends. And so that's basically um, my hours are when other people aren't at their day job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. What sort of things are you are teaching people or? Um... Yeah, well, I love, um, I love learning about what works for each client already, like what they've already discovered uh, so far on their own journey. And, you know, if somebody comes to me as a, just as a clean slate being, I've never worked out before. I don't know what a vegetable is. Teach me. Then awesome. I love doing that too. Um, you know, but I, I really respect the journeys that my clients have already been on before they come to me. And so um, both, you know, in fitness and when I give um, advice regarding nutrition, um, it's taking all of that into, into account. And, you know, I, I want, what's most important to me is that my clients at whatever point we stop training, they are able to continue that on for the rest of their lives and they're able to lead the healthiest life, lives possible. Um, and so that's, you know, I, 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 I come at all of that from the perspective of what's going to be the most sustainable uh, for this client and this person. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about like how you got into personal training? Is this like 
um, a change for you or were you always in the gym or how did did being a personal trainer start, I guess? Totally. I, yeah, I grew up a little Jewish nerd girl. Um, So yeah, it, the, I shouldn't talk about all, you know, Jewish culture everywhere, but in the, in the little Jewish town that I grew up in, there was kind of a, we're all little, like, almost like heads in jars that are just trying to be as smart as possible. And there wasn't really a relating to like our bodies. Like it was like, we want to be healthy, oh, but like so there wasn't really, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's, I've talked to my family about this because we all grew up Jewish, you know, my mom, my dad, everybody. And like, they all had that same experience of just like, yeah, you grow up and you're just, you're just this like floating head in a jar. And that's, so everything di- is about your brain about, and your intelligence. From your body. Yeah, exactly. Right. Everything is all about learning, 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 which is great and awesome. And I am a nerd. I love to learn. Um, But I grew up just like I didn't we didn't even watch sports on television. Like there was no connection to like anything physical. And then for me, you know, personally. um, And then in high school, I was a theater nerd. And so I kind of dabbled in like a little bit of. like took a dance class here and there and just never really connected with what I, you know, never really connected that much uh, with it. Never really felt like a home or felt like I belonged in, in any of those classes. Um, I was much more comfortable just being in my head. And then I was, I didn't really get into fitness until I was in college. And it was like a total whim that I just was at the bookstore because that was my home away from home. And (laughs) I saw these workout DVDs on clearance and I was insecure about my body as a lot of young women, you know, young college age women are. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll try this and see if that makes me feel better about myself. And um, the trainer, she was a female trainer and I she I, I identified with her because she made bad jokes and she had this sort of like I, I didn't even know that I was gay at the time I came out I didn't come out come out until I was 26 um, but she just had this and, and she wasn't out yet like she is gay but she wasn't out at the time yeah but she, like immediately before I knew that I, either one of us was gay I was just like oh, I relate to her and that's um, so funny just, I know to, I know, to both is. be like <laughs> resonating this energy and connect without being out exactly because she had this like you know this sort of like swagger you know and I I don't want to use a term that you know some people has has a negative history connotation for a lot of people in our community but she had that kind of swagger yeah, you know what I mean yeah. and um and she made bad jokes and at the time you know what what she was doing that most other uh fitness female fitness trainers weren't doing is she was using weights in her workouts and everybody most other trainers were doing like either pilates or dance which I didn't really connect with right and then I was like oh my God, I really like lifting weights. This feels awesome. And again, we're talking like two, three pound weights. Like I, this is the beginning of my fitness journey. I started out in the beginning, um, basic, basic stuff. But I was like, I like this. Like I like feeling strong. And I had so much more to do on my personal journey with my body. And I had so much, you know, just so much more work to do. But that, like that, in that instant of like, 
I'm lifting weights and it feels good and I feel strong and I like this and I feel empowered. Like that was a light bulb moment for me. And I, you know, at the time uh, I was studying something completely unrelated to fitness and I was into that and I was all in my head, but this gave me like this, this grounded me in a way. And as I was dealing with the stress of like college is when I had some experiences where I was like, oh my God, am I gay? What does this mean? You know? And when I was dealing with all of the stress of that and like dealing with all of the academic stress, then working out was something that could make me feel more grounded and less like panicky and less anxiety. Um, and so that, and that continued. Right. And to, to this day, you know, is something that, that helps me. So you, t- you mentioned a little bit that both in college and um, at the start of wanting to do personal training that you like had some body confidence issues and you seem to be yes. feeling better about your body now, at yes. least from what I can tell. Um, I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, did, was course. that like a grad? I mean, like. It, oh, yeah. it is a gradual change, but like, oh, totally. What are yes. some of the things that have helped you or? Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was such a process for me. And um, it's funny because I, I talked with my mom about it a lot. And she's like, you know, especially when I was going through like some really, really rough times, because she totally got the whole like body positive thing. And it was helping her. Um, you know, she's someone who when she was like the. I was able to introduce her to the body positive movement, which really helped her and really contributed to our relationship and strengthened our relationship as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and so she totally got it. And she's like, by the, like, I know it sucks right now, but, but like at the point at which you are on the other side, you're going to be so, you're going to feel so empowered. You're going to be able to help so many other people on their journeys. And this is, you know, before I, decided to be a trainer or anything like that she's just like just having this knowledge and having this experience um is is this gonna it's gonna be so beneficial for you and for like everyone that you encounter um and so she really kind of helped me be like this is this is gonna get better you know (laughs) and um so so yeah so what helped me was uh, I definitely immersed myself in body positive imagery and stories and I was following because this was back when you know blogs were more of a thing yeah um and so I was following body positive blogs and reading about people who were you know working out and loving their bodies and like wearing outfits that they loved I mean the um you know plus size uh fashion I followed so many blogs of um you know plus size fashion bloggers and and I you know again it's the whole idea of plus size is ridiculous but I'm just using that to kind of to be to kind of give it a direct description um so that people understand what I what I mean um and so essentially I just I unfollowed and any sort of blogs or or um you know, YouTube channels or anything that made, that like made me feel insecure. Um, you know, even if the people themselves were great, I was just like, I just 
for a while, I just kind of only need to be surrounded by people who look like me or people who make me feel more confident about myself. Um, I just kind of need to immerse myself in that. And that was something I needed to, to do for like, I don't know, maybe it was like a year or so, maybe less. I, you know, this yeah. is a while ago. This is years ago. And, um, and that helped me just sort of internalize uh, the fact that no matter what size or shape I was, I could feel good about myself. Um, that me feeling confident was not dependent on a number or a size or a shape or anything like that, that it was something internal um, and something that I had control over. And so that was, that was kind of in the beginning, in the beginning. And then I, and I also followed a lot of, again, intersectional body, body positive feminist uh, blogs that were, you know, not necessarily focused on, you know, um, photos, but just, just, you know, just like thoughts about like, where do these ideals come from? You know, so I was kind of going at it from both sides. I was coming at it from just the like, purely like, almost monkey brain, like, I see an image, and it looks, she looks gorgeous. Or I, I see this woman, she looks gorgeous, and she looks like me. And, you know, kind of that very simple thing, right? The very simple perspective, as well as the where do these perspectives come from that I, you know, that, that I should look a certain way and be a certain shape and be a certain size. And like, who's telling us that? Do right. I, are those people that I want to align myself with, you know? So really both sides. And, um, um, and then that coincided with my queer journey as well. Um, because I, you know, in college, I, I just knew that, like, if a girl asked me out, I would say yes. But, like, I just didn't want to think about what that means. And as somebody who likes to think a lot, like, thinking is, like, my number one hobby, um, <laughs> to be like, I, that's, I'm just, just going to close that door and pretend it's not there and paint over it and right. ignore it. Um, that was creating a lot of anxiety for me obviously. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even acknowledge the anxiety because if I acknowledge the anxiety that I'd have to acknowledge the anxiety was about something and then I have to, you know, so it was like, it was, it was just this, 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 um, you know, tower of cards or whatever, whatever the, you know, this house yeah. of cards that was just like, you know, creating all this nervousness. Um, and I was, it, it took me seeing, Jillian Holtzman from the Ghostbusters movie, the the new one, the 2016 Ghostbusters, yeah. And so I was, as soon as I saw this character, I was like, I was like my fangirl, my inner fangirl had like a new obsession immediately. So I went to Tumblr, which is the home of the fangirl. Um, and I was like, I, I don't, like, I don't, I just, I have to like, I have to learn more about this character and how this character came to be. And then I realized, oh my God, this character is very queer coded. And then I realized that Kate McKinnon herself is a lesbian. And I was watching interviews with her and she talked about her queerness. She talked about um, just her life. She taught and the way she just used humor and she was so sweet and so funny. And I was, I just related to a lot of how she interacted with the world. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, like total full fangirl. And then in following all of these blogs that also loved the movie and also loved Kate, um, I saw these posts about compulsory heterosexuality and I was like, 
I had this like light bulb moment. I was reading that and I was just like, oh my God, every relationship, every romantic relationship I've ever had with a dude is like this. Oh, like yeah, that yeah. this contains all of that. Um, and so then that allowed me to be like, wait a minute, have I like ever wanted to go on a date with a guy? And I was like, wait, actually, no. <laughs> and like, no, no offense, like to any of the guys who, which none of them would yeah. be listening to this anyway, but like, <laughs> they're all nice guys. Like they're all good people. Um, but you know, I, I was just like, wait a minute. And then I was also looking at the experiences that I'd had with women and be like, wait a minute, that makes sense. And then I was looking at my, even just like my childhood, like I, like being a lesbian means that I was 15 years old and a lesbian and I was eight years old and a lesbian. And I'm just looking my whole life. And it's like, it was kind of like the, um, like you look at your back at your life and like, I was gay the entire time. This (laughs) makes so much sense. Like you're just like your whole life finally makes sense. And I finally, when I finally allowed myself to use the label of lesbian, I like over the course of like a couple of months, my relationship with my body, just like there was like an entire thick layer of anxiety that just dissolved like immediately, like just, you know, just, just allowing myself to, um, to kind of feel these feelings and, and not trying to make myself feel what I didn't feel. Um, there was this, this, this whole new comfort in my own skin. Um, and so it's just, it's fascinating to me, like how those two overlap. Um, so, so yeah. And so, and then again, that was, you know, kind of a more recent, uh, discovery. And then, you know, and then in the last couple of years, it's just, it's felt like more just kind of like a settling in to my own skin and, um, you know, having fun with it and just, you know, in just, enjoying fitness um however i can yeah yeah and then of course afterwards you feel better you feel empowered and you kind of keep that going and then you know and then you just you feel good in your own skin this is a trigger warning for the next question eden discusses eating disorders binging counting calories and anxiety related to her queer identity to skip this section go to 25 minutes 30 seconds to hear the end of the episode you mentioned in your email an eating yeah. disorder and did you want to talk about that at all and we can totally not totally yeah to no I'm <laughs> no I'm totally I'm very like open book about it sure uh yeah no definitely my um my like the honestly one of like the top coping mechanisms unhealthy coping mechanisms that I developed for this for my natural kind of you know worry anxiety that I have um is or my kind of tendency toward anxiety uh is to overeat and to binge and when i was in college um which coincided with me um having like a very close friend with whom i had a huge crush on but needed to keep myself completely in the dark about it and so my response was just like if yeah if i just like if if i just like keep eating then i don't have to think about any of this you know and so there was that um it was a combination it was it was an act of self-soothing it was uh unhealthy coping mechanism it was um you know it was a distraction you know and so all of that together um that was kind of the height of my eating disorder you know originally when I started working on my binge eating disorder it was 
out of a desire to be thinner. Like that was my, when I started, that was my motivator at that time. Um, But, you know, and, and that's what prompted me to purchase the workout DVD that I got. But then in doing that, I was like, wait a minute, this is actually something I like to do. This gives me something to like focus on, um, fo- yeah, that, that I want. And so it, that's why it's, it's this kind of, you know, messy, convoluted journey. It was not a, it was not a straight line. It was right. far from it. It was this very twisty journey. So, you know, I can understand how for a lot of people, calories can be triggering for me and in my particular case, going through periods where I counted calories was helpful just because it helped me like it, it kind of helped me have a sense of like what a normal portion was. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just so mm-hmm. I had like a reference point and then I would go through periods where I would use calories in an, un- you know, counting calories in an unhealthy way. So it was, it was not, you know, it was, again, it was very twisty turny. Um, and for me, when I discovered the body positive journey, that's also or body positive movement. Sorry. That's also when I discovered the I, concept of intuitive eating and that allowed me to start focusing on the foods I was eating as opposed to like the caloric value. Right. And yeah. that was extremely valuable for me because I started paying attention to how my body felt after I ate certain foods and then my choices to avoid certain foods was not, was less related to, you know, this number attached to them, but was about, well, when I eat this food, like I get a stomach ache, I don't feel good or I feel nauseous or I feel like sluggish or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. But the, and then when I, these foods, I feel better. And again, it was a back and forth. I'd go through periods where I would be like rocking the intuitive eating. And then I would just be like, I'd have, I just have a bad body image day. And I'd just be like, Oh, I need to like, I need to, I need to restrict. I need to like count calories again. And sometimes I would, you know, get through it. And sometimes I'd swing back and like the pendulum would swing back. And it was, but through all of it, um, I did have the intention of healing my relationship with food. And I, through all of it, I kept thinking about how I wanted to be able to be comfortable around food and be comfortable with my body. And so that is, that was, that was like the, that was the the end. That was the goal that I kept trying to go for, even though sometimes I would swing back and all those things. Now intuitive eating is, um, you know, is, is natural for me. It is intuitive for me. It's, it's how I function on the day to day, just like fitness is naturally part of my life. And I, you know, I work out every day and I eat intuitively and I enjoy cheesecake and I enjoy, you know, carrots and I enjoy all of it. Um, and I don't have that, that panic and that anxiety that I had for so many years. Um, and, and like I said, you know, when I, when I came out, um, and I was, I did all this work on my connection with the word lesbian because Lord, that has so many connotations to it. And when I first came out, I was like, 
I'm a lesbian, but like I literally had trouble saying the word out loud. You know, what does that word mean right. to me? And what does it actually mean? Like it's kind oh. of been commodified. And that that took a that, you know, I was in therapy and and did a lot of just like journaling about it and did had this whole journey um over the course of a few few months. And by the end of those few months, this my the 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 kind of urge to binge that I had had kind of a, I, that would still come up occasionally that me finally embracing the word lesbian and embracing that part of myself really like eradicated that like binge desire which I I know sounds so strange because they're they are so different but mm-hmm. for me personally um, I think that that for me personally um i think one of the the primary prompts or one of the primary sort of like i don't know drives drives yeah drives for this this sort of this for my eating disorder was this like you're you're not okay like you're you're it was this anxiety about my identity um you know like i i truly think that if i hadn't um, been able to come out, then I would still be struggling with binging. Whereas now I feel like I don't have, I just don't have that urge to binge anymore. Um, I still, you know, I'll still, I still will like comfort eat sometimes, you know, we'll all be like, Oh God, I've had a stressful day. I just like want a brownie, you know, but, um, but I, that, that sort of like dark, empty, like deep anxiety feeling, um, is, is not there anymore, fortunately. Or like best or worst experiences, personal Mm. training, or just like, you know, totally a highlight or a low light or anything. Oh my God. Yes. So this is like one of my like top highlights. This happened back when I was uh, working uh, at the kids' summer camp and birthday parties at um, the rock, local rock climbing gym here. Nice, yeah. And so basically it was um, when we would work birthday parties, it was our job, the adults, to uh, belay for the kids. It, in layman's terms, we're standing on the ground and we have the rope that the climber is tied into is tied in also into our harness as well and we keep the rope tight so that if at any point the child slips off the wall then they just kind of hang there suspended by the rope and they don't fall on the the very padded floor but still you know we we don't want them to fall so um so i was belaying for this group of it was a birthday party so it was mostly girls and they were all just so supportive of each other it was a group of like probably like 11 year old girls around that age they were so supportive of each other it was I just I was like oh my god I was like yes I was like keep I like I didn't say this to them because it would have been weird but like in my head I was like keep this keep this forever like yes support each other forever um and there's this one girl I was belaying for and she was climbing up and usually the way kids are is they when they want to come down they just stop climbing and then they just look at you and wait for you to like kind of lower them down yeah. with the rope yeah. and so she so she stopped but I didn't lower her down because I'm watching her she turns down she turns down to look at me and she says I'm stopping 
but I'm not done. I'm just stopping so I can tell myself I can do it. And I was oh. like, yeah, you can. And so then she like, she like paused, she kind of like shook out her arms because rock climbing is really heavy on the arms. Um, it's heavy on the legs too, but especially when you're starting out, you mostly use your arms. Anyway, so she, you know, she got her arms and, you know, and then she made it to the top and it was, just, I was just like, yes, this is like that captures, like I, I want to create like that in all, in all of my clients. I want to create that voice yeah. that she, that, that, that voice inside her head. That's like, you can stop, but you can do that. Like you can stop. You're going to, you're going to pause and you're going to keep going. Yeah. That like just, oh, I love, I love that so much. That just made me so happy. And, and like, it's so is, great that it that came from ago. an 11 year old girl and, you know, know, like hasn't been affected by the world. That's exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, can you just like, God, can you keep that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? And like, yes, exactly. I loved it. That was like, top highlight of like like I can see like in 80 years I'll be like you know on my deathbed or whatever I'll be like oh, I did I helped that girl climb to the top that was like that's that's like le- proud life moment for me you know what I mean yeah um just like uh oh, I just I love that so much so that was definitely a highlight awesome awesome um are you ready to play some trivia yeah, sure. Okay. I'm ready to get everything wrong. Okay, but I've made them multiple choice. So there cool. is, and the, and it's only A through C. So you have a, nice. a 33% <laughs> chance of getting them right. And it's nice. San Francisco themed. Um, so the California gold rush saw um, a, a rise of immigrants coming to California for gold. Um, 95% of which were men. Um, they would cross-dress and play women's roles in dances and other social scenarios. Um, when did San Francisco criminalize gender transgressions or outlaw cra- cross-dressing? So, Oof. yeah. Uh, okay, and so I've got three dates for you yes. here. Um, so A, 1881, B, 1857, or C, 1863? Okay, so the, the one that's in the middle chronologically, so that would be what, 1863? Yes, and that's correct. Okay. Oh, yay. See? Go for the middle. When you don't know, just go for the middle. During World War I, the Navy discharged known homosexuals in port cities, which helped create the LGBT community in San Francisco in the 20s and 30s. What was this discharge known as? A, the blue discharge slash ticket. B, pink pink discharge or pink ticket. Or C, green discharge or green ticket. So, yeah, because of all of the associations with, like, pink triangles and whatnot, I'm going to go with pink. Uh, no, it's blue, and it's just because of the color of the ticket that they gave them. Uh, oh, and that, that okay. mandate started in 1916. Oh, wow. Uh, the first gay bar, The Dash, this is for gay men, The Dash, opened in San Francisco in 1908. When did the first lesbian bar named Mona's open? A Mona. like, <laughs> Mona's, yeah. <laughs> but it's got apostrophe oh S, yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, A, 1910, B, 1921, or C, 1934? I'm going to go with 1934 because everything for us happens later. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1962, the first ever gay business organization was formed between bar owners in response to police raids. What was that organization called? A, the Family Alliance, B, the Tavern Guild, or C, the GL Leadership Group? 
You know, Tavern Guild just sounds cool, so I'm going to go with that one. You're probably wrong. That is correct, actually. Oh, no way. And I had a little bit of fun, you know, making making up names for things, That's too. dope. Oh, I love that. So, one of the first LGBT riots in U.S. history happened in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco at Crompton's Cafeteria, which was notorious for calling the police on trans women. Mm. Um, when did the riot happen? August 1966, January 1968, or May 1965. I'm going to go with 1966. That is correct. Nice. See? Middle middle chronological. (laughs) Helps out. Nice. Um, Yeah, that one's really cool because it's before Stonewall. And we, like, tote Stonewall as being major, but this one is actually quite major. Hell yeah. Um, Last question. Uh, Gilbert Baker raised the first LGBT pride flag at San Francisco Pride um, on June 1973, June 1978, or July 1975. If I, if I follow my own rule, I would say 1975. Um, but I kind of want to say 1978. I'm going to go with 1975 or whatever. What's, yeah, that's, that's the one in the middle, right? 1975? 75 is the one in the middle, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with that one. That's incorrect. It was 1978. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, close. Yeah. I always forget that it is that recent. Right? Because in my lifetime, the rainbow has such a strong association with that, but that there are I know. queer people so who true. are alive now who didn't have exactly. that in their youth. Yeah. It's just amazing to think about what people before us have done and like how recently they've they've done it and and the impact that it's had um and that's that's something I think about so often and and I'm so grateful for that I think you don't have to condone every action they've ever done but you can at the same time be grateful for certain acts that they have done that have um helped create a safe space for yourself and people like yourself yeah yeah totally yeah Cool. Where can people find you on oh, the yeah. internet to follow and know more yes. about you? I do have an Instagram. Um, it's at fangirlfit, F-A-N-G-I-R-L-F-I-T. I also work, like I said, at a local gym. Uh, it's called Live Fit Gym. And I work at the one, there's a few different locations. I work at the one on Valencia Street. It's at Valencia and 18th. That's the way to get in touch with me. So f- feel free to DM me. Awesome. It has been great talking to you. Yeah, awesome. It's been so great talking to you, and I look forward to to the episode every week, and I look forward to seeing it develop, and that's just so awesome. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. When you support this podcast on Patreon, you are helping make this labor of love into a long-lasting one, and the first goal covers monthly audio hosting and transcription costs. As a patron, you get access to perks like bonus content from every episode and bloopers. Support the show at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod.